This is Unfiltered, episode 332 for October 21st, 2020. Serious questions tonight about whether the Russians are using Rudy Giuliani to interfere in the U.S. presidential election. CNN senior national security correspondent Alex Markward is joining us. Alex, there are fears that what Giuliani is now pushing here in the United States could actually be part of Russia's latest and very massive disinformation campaign in the U.S. presidential election. Hello, friends, and welcome into 322 of the People's History Podcast. As I record this and release, the last presidential debate is tomorrow night. I will be live streaming it over at unfilter.show slash live. It's only um, two that we've, we're going to get total. And then it's just a handful of days until the election. And maybe that's why I have found it just absolutely fascinating how we are now one solid week into the Hunter Biden email story, and it's still essentially being censored. It's still essentially being discredited as a Russian disinformation plot, which who didn't see that one coming? But what also has surprised me is just how poorly Biden and the Biden campaign has handled this in this week since this information has come out. And it's not like they didn't have time to prepare. Here's Joe Biden getting asked by NBC's Savannah uh, Guthrie, I think it is, getting asked back in February when impeachment was still being discussed about how the optics around Joe's son getting special gigs is bad. And he really didn't have anything then. And this is back in February, and he had time to prepare since this clip. Who's going to be able to go in and help Democrats win back the Senate? Has it occurred to you that there's a certain irony here that here the president is accused of and is acknowledged wanting to get information about your son Hunter and his dealings with Ukraine? And this process of impeachment has ensured that everyone knows about Hunter's dealings with Ukraine. That's so- a good thing. And no one's found anything wrong with his dealings with Ukraine, except they say it sets a bad image. Well, do you agree that it sets a bad yeah, image? And my son said that. Do you think it was wrong for him to take that position? No. Knowing that it was really because but, that but company did. wanted access to you. Well, that's not true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. Well, we do know now, don't we? Of course, we have to be somewhat skeptical of the source. This shop owner seems to be a, a Trump supporter himself. Although it, there were rumors for a year that he was shopping it. The FBI has come out and so they've had Hunter Biden's laptop since December. And additionally, since the last episode, and some of the links in the show notes may have these images. It's a bit of a shit show, really, but some really depressing and sad images of Hunter Biden have come out that are obviously, obviously Hunter. Um So uh, and even in those pictures, he's doing things that look like they're illegal. We do have some more information. Other news outlets have begun to get their hands on these emails. It's no longer just the New York Post. There's several now involved. We have new information tonight concerning the emails allegedly coming from a computer belonging to Joe Biden's son, Hunter. Fox News has secured more of those email messages and the dollar numbers involved are staggering. Here's senior political correspondent Mike Emanuel. Fox News has obtained more emails purported to be from Hunter Biden's laptop. From May 2017, correspondence with Chinese energy executives about remuneration packages, which two sources have verified to Fox News. It discusses payment for six people, including a reference to 10% of the equity in the deal be held by H for the big guy. Sources tell Fox News the big guy is Joe Biden, noting this was after he left office. The other notable thing about those particular emails is some of the people that are on the other end of those emails have verified, yep, that's an email from me. Yeah, we talked about that. That's a a thing that happened. So you you have to appreciate that for a moment. Another email from August 2017, seeking $10 million per year in a deal that would be interesting to me and my family. Today, Arkansas Senator... Now, here's how they claim it works. They being the people that are sifting through this is that politicians have to play a very careful game. They they can't be um, too overzealous with asking for money and getting secret deals from international corporations because as they run for office and they get higher, higher into office, their finances are scrutinized. Biden needs to be in a position 
where he can release his tax records. He needs to be in a position where it looks squeaky clean. So what is common, if you look at the wealth of family members of, say, like Diane Feinstein or Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden and many, many others, it's not just something Joe Biden does, but what is common is their family members get rich and then the family members cut in grandma or grandpa on the money because that doesn't have to get scrutinized. Nobody is looking at Hunter Biden's taxes for Joe to get elected. That's not how it works. Perhaps something Donald Trump is also very aware of with his kids. So there's an incentive for a public figure to structure a family business like this. You have to have that understanding when you hear about the story because it kind of starts to make more sense. And also since our last episode, Steve Bannon, yes, Steve Bannon, has claimed that uh, not only do they have high confidence that this laptop was Hunter Biden's, but Hunter Biden's lawyer emailed the shop asking for the laptop back. Steve, I want to ask you more about the hacking allegations from Twitter in a minute, but I just want to pick you up on something you said there that I haven't heard before and sounded really extraordinary, which is that Hunter Biden's lawyer has contacted you guys uh, to ask for the return of the hard drive. Is that correct? Yeah, we're breaking news here on your show. He actually, in a panic, called the because they Hunter when he dropped it off was drunk. There's like two or three of these shops in Wilmington. They called around and he figured out it might be this guy. He called him and when the guy says, "Hey, I, you know, I kind of don't remember. I'm going back to my shop." He sent a couple of emails in panic, saying, "I got to get my hands on this right away." <laughs> it doesn't look so good, does it? Um, and you would think then perhaps the job of the media would be, well, let's take something that. That comes from this uh, wacky Mac owner uh, shop repair guy that goes through the president's personal lawyer who is a bit of a weirdo and talks to all kinds of interesting characters around the world. And let's take what seems to be something substantial since we have actual pictures of Hunter Biden and we have emails where people from Chinese companies and on the Burisma, from Burisma side have confirmed, yes, that was me in the exchange. All right. So we have some good bones to this story. But there's still some things that are a little weird, like why did the FBI sit on this and why did the shop owner have this and why is it just coming out now? All of these kinds of questions I think need digging into. So that's where journalists could do investigative journalism and they could actually go and verify these facts. But instead, they were handed a beautiful narrative wrapped up with a bow. And you see, the media and the establishment media in particular, has every incentive to ignore this story. It's not like they've ever been particularly friendly to Donald Trump. They've never been a fan of the president. So there's no reason why all of a sudden they would start covering a story that is going to be pro-Trump. There's just no precedent for that to begin with. But additionally, talk about a great way to win favors with the new boss if Joe Biden wins. Take Twitter, for example. Big tech is really, really under scrutiny right now on how they're handling information before the election. If Joe Biden wins, this solid they've done by censoring Twitter for nearly a week, that's not going to be forgotten by the Biden campaign. And when it comes time to go knocking on big tech's door and remove their particular protection status, they won't forget that Twitter helped out. So the media has a lot of incentives, whether it be Twitter or whether it just be the traditional network television and radio medium. They've always been on the establishment side. This is a great time to get in with the new boss. And isn't it a nice little preview of how things are going to come once Joe Biden is in office? Isn't this a nice little preview of how nothing will be held to account in a Biden administration? They just needed a reason not to dig into it. They just needed a reason, a rationale. And that's the present they got. That's when Adam Schiff came on CNN and served up a classic hit and once again, just like with Russiagate, was the source of the Russia fear. Let's discuss with the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Congressman Adam Schiff. Uh, Congressman, thanks so much for joining us. Does it surprise you at all that this information Rudy Giuliani is peddling uh, very well could be connected to some sort of Russian government disinformation campaign? Well, we know that this whole uh, smear on Joe Biden uh, comes from the Kremlin. We know this comes from the Kremlin. 
Uh, that's been clear for well over a year now that they've been pushing this uh, false narrative about the vice president and his son. Uh, and, you know, the idea that the president, um, that the White House counsel and others were made aware that Giuliani was being used by Russian intelligence uh, and using Russian intelligence in the sense of meeting with an agent of the Kremlin and pushing out this Kremlin false narrative. The idea- Now, let's pause here. So he moves really quick there because he knows what he's doing. Now, this is the chair of the Intelligence Committee, right? So if Adam Schiff is making a mistake here, then that is horrible oversight of some very powerful agencies and a massive dereliction of duty. That's possibility one. Or possibility two is Adam Schiff is bullshitting you. Which one do you think it is? So it can be true that Rudy Giuliani had a contact with someone who is connected to the Russian government. And it can also be true that drunk Hunter Biden dropped off a laptop that he spilled wine on at a Mac repair shop, then failed to pick it up. And it can be both those things can be true. It also can be true that there is an actual laptop with actual pictures and emails on it and that Giuliani sends text messages to a Russian. Those two things are not necessarily related, but all they have to do, because you have been so trained with all of the Russia fear since 2016, they just have to set it up for you and let you connect it together. Then that's it. You're off to the races because you've been so trained and programmed now that Schiff knows exactly what he's doing and he knows exactly what kind of conclusions you're going to draw. Sense of meeting with an agent of the Kremlin and pushing out this Kremlin false narrative. The idea that they were knowing Uh, and still on the floor of the Senate during the impeachment trial, uh, pushing this Kremlin narrative is pretty breathtaking. But I guess at this point, we can't be shocked by anything this administration does, no matter how craven. Uh, But clearly... Isn't that remarkable? He shits on the Trump administration for immorality right before the election, while he is on CNN, lying to your face, once again creating Russia hype and fear. And isn't it, isn't it something that their special source, their unnamed official, was Adam Schiff last time, and it sure appears to be Adam Schiff this time? The origins of this whole uh, smear uh, are from the Kremlin, and the president is only too happy to have Kremlin help in, in trying to amplify it. The, I think one of the biggest failures of Donald Trump's administration and his four-year run will have been not properly destroying the Russiagate narrative. Because right there, what Schiff just did is he leveraged all of the Russia bullshit for the last three years and he springboarded from that to make a point to shame him at the end of that of that little dialogue there. If Trump could have dismantled the lies around Russiagate, we wouldn't be in this position. But he's such he's really not very good at executing much, is he? There's so many initiatives that they just have ham fisted in the Trump administration He's so clearly inexperienced. He so clearly doesn't know how to make government work that he couldn't even dismantle what is such an obvious farce as time goes on. And it's it's almost scripted. It's almost just predictable because right after they're done with Schiff, guess who comes on CNN next? Lying Clapper, the man who lied in front of Congress under oath about spying on the American people right before the Snowden leaks. A proven liar, a proven politician using information from the intelligence agencies for political gain, manipulator of information and the media, and also, by the way, on the payroll of some of these media corporations. That's who they bring on next to double down on the Russia narrative. Obama. So, Director, a bunch of questions from this. Let me just start with this. How much does the source matter, right? So you hear the story of this laptop. We don't know a lot. We do know that the the way that this information is getting out is through Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani. How much uh, do the, the does the source matter here? Well, source matters a lot, and uh, and the timing matters a lot. I- this is also interesting. You know, the source matters a lot. The source matters a lot. It's from a laptop. This isn't this isn't John Podesta clicking on a phishing link and someone getting access to his emails and then releasing them over WikiLeaks. The source isn't a hack. The source is a physical machine. So the source does matter. But yet they they use that almost in some sort of disconnected from reality explanation for why we should be suspicious. I think and to me, this is uh, just classic uh, textbook uh, Soviet Russian uh, tradecraft at work. <laughs> 
the Russians have analyzed the target. They understand that. Now, this is all speculation. This is James Clapper, documented liar. This is what he feels. The president and his enablers uh, crave uh, dirt on Vice President Biden, whether it's real or contrived, that doesn't matter to them. And so all of a sudden, two, two and a half weeks before the election, uh, this laptop appears somehow uh, without and uh, emails on it without any metadata. Well, the timing is obvious. Also, this no metadata thing is cute. I mean, the headers are on the email. So it's just what do you consider metadata because it didn't go through a particular server that you monitored. So all of a sudden now metadata goalpost is moving. What we define as metadata, that's fascinating. And also I think what's wrapped up in all, in, in all of this is, well, the timing. Okay, the timing is so suspicious. The timing's obvious. It's strategic. That doesn't mean the information isn't accurate. It means that Giuliani was hustling his arse for Trump. I'd love to know what he's charging him for almost a year, right? I mean, at least since probably December, Giuliani's been out there trying to get this information together. It's kind of what sort of was a, was in the background of the entire impeachment trial, right? This has been a long, ongoing initiative to try to catch these sons of bitches in the act. And the timing happens to be, well, extremely intentional because it's an election. See, I don't know if Clapper knows that, but the timing is intentional. It's strategic. That doesn't mean that the information is bogus. Uh, it just, it's all very curious. But the, So here you have uh, a willing target and the Russians who are very sophisticated about how to exploit a, a, a willing target. And uh, to me, that's what's at work here. It's funny how these guys are always... Uh, Bigging up the Russians. You know, the Russians are like super spies, man, with real high IQs. The Russians are awesome, <laughs> according to these guys. And then the, on the weekend show, you know, the Sunday show, the actual like politics show that Middle America watches on CBS, they had lying Mike Rogers on, the former DNI who, who really took the plain politics with information from the intelligence agencies to a whole new level. He had a tiny short run. He came in to try to mop up some of the damage after Snowden and was a, a, a huge arsehole. We covered him extensively in the former run of the show. He's also been discredited as as lying and playing politics with extremely important national security information. So, of course, CBS had him on. To that point, you know, there's been a lot of speculation that this week um, some of the information about Joe Biden's son, Hunter, that is circulated in uh, tabloid in the New York Post may be the result of a, a hack and dump operation. This is speculation at this point. A hack and dump operation? Where do they even get that? That it could have come from Russian military uh, hacking of a Ukrainian gas company where Hunter Biden served. Oh, sure, sure. Do you see... Any justification for that speculation at this point? I, I, Margaret, I don't know the specifics of this case. I, again, my view would be, let's let it play out. Let's investigate it. Let's get some factual evidence. Let's get the metadata and let's see if this is accurate or not. There's that metadata talking point again. I'm just not in a position right. really to speculate. Well, it's being compared to the hack and dump operation that happened, as you know, back in 2016. A lot of um, uh, Democrats alleging that it is that. Yeah, because, you know, it's about emails. So therefore, it's like the Clinton one. NBC, same day, Andrea Mitchell puts together a package that they ran on their weekend politics show. And I love this. Like, they just tossed to some lackey who was too busy to do any actual investigative journalism, so he's just going to talk about, you know, how he feels. Experts say the emails cannot be authenticated. Some may have been altered or are fake. We have no idea whether or not the emails are legitimate, but this whole operation looks right out of the Kremlin playbook. Hack and dump. Yeah, looks like it. Sure. I, I, that feels like a Russian thing to me. And MSNBC took the other route. Instead of shaming people for talking about it like CNN did, which I'm sparing you from, MSNBC applauded the media for censoring this dangerous Hunter Biden story. It's too risky. We might accidentally misinform people. We can't trust them to make their own decisions. The New York Post story that dropped like a bomb last week, seemingly implicating Hunter and Joe Biden, continues to wither under scrutiny. no. No, it doesn't. So the New York Times, this is what she's citing right here. They finally wrote an article about this Hunter Biden email story. The, 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 gray, the gray old lady, she, they, she finally wrote a, a piece about it. 
And of course, it was a piece taking apart the New York Post. They spent their investigative resources on going after the New York Post to attack them and their character instead of investigating the story. And you have to appreciate, too, the people that have this information would love to sell it or give it to the New York Times. It's not like uh, they don't want to put this out there. It's these outlets are not going to Giuliani, which I can kind of understand why. But they're not doing it. They're not at least asking him for the information. They're not they're not getting their batch of emails like some of the other outlets have. They're intentionally just not touching the story. And when they do talk about it, it's character assassination. Not really dropping like a bomb. The emergence of these emails, texts and videos that were supposedly left on a laptop in Delaware, a really fishy story, whether that was actually the product of a foreign intelligence operation. And obviously, Russia would be the chief suspect there. Look, there are so many questions about the problem of this material. A lot of it does look legitimate. There are pictures of Hunter Biden, there are videos, there are emails, but we have no idea, and neither does the New York Post, whether any of it was doctored or forged or faked, and that's why the mainstream news media has declined to really touch this story. You know, you could investigate. Um, because it just lacks credibility, and uh, the fact that it appeared in the New York Post and that they chose to report on it extensively um, sort of says a lot about where we are in 2020 as opposed to 2016, when a lot of news organizations reported on emails that had been hacked by the Russians, uh, Democratic emails, and then leaked, and they were newsworthy, and people reported on them. Never actually proven, as far as I'm concerned, about, about it, that the Russians hacked Hillary's email. Um, although, uh, what was the name of that company? It wasn't CrowdStrike. What was he? Was it FireEye? The, uh, you might remember. The uh, group that investigated the DNC server for the FBI, you know, the FBI never actually got access to the server to see who did hack it. Nancy Pelosi just invested like $800,000 of her own money into the company in stock. So they're getting, I mean, she's going to profit off of a company that made it big off of Russiagate. That's how dirty this is. That's how gross this is. And so when this, when this news actor is sitting here going, well, you know, we made the mistake in 2016 of uh, playing Putin's playbook and showing the emails. There's never actually been any really concrete proof that shows that it was the Russians. What we know is that it was Julian Assange on WikiLeaks, and he's rotting away right now. The, he's getting his punishment. He, you know, like karma, if you, if you think of it that way, is biting him in the ass. Or you could say he's paying a great price for spreading information. Putin's connection to that? I don't think that's ever been conclusively proven. I'd love information on that if you have it. That is absolutely something I'd be willing to review if you'd like to share it with me. Uh, there is the contact form and there's also the Discord, which would be great ways to get that in front of me. So this is this is essentially – sorry, I'm going to back up here not to make a jump too much. But this is him This is him acknowledging on MSNBC like we made that mistake in 2016. This time we're going with our guy. We're going to we're going to we're going to sit on this and uh, we're not going to screw that one up again. The fact that it appeared in the New York Post and that they chose to report on it extensively um, sort of says a lot about where we are in 2020 as opposed to 2016 when a lot of news organizations reported on emails that had been hacked by the Russians, uh, democratic emails and then leaked and they were newsworthy and people reported on them. We're in a much different different situation now because we now know that Russian disinformation or foreign disinformation or even this, you know, campaign disinformation period is as dangerous to our democracy as anything exposed in these emails. Information to you, the public, raw information that you would just have raw access to and then make up your own minds. That is that's so dangerous. Our democracy could collapse if they started sharing that information with you because you're just too dumb. You're just you're not informed you don't know what's going on, and you might accidentally like the orange man if you saw some of this stuff. And you know what? They just they can't have that because then democracy will collapse. Listen to what this guy's saying. Here we are in 2020 as opposed to 2016 when a lot of news organizations reported on emails that had been hacked by the Russians, uh, Democratic emails, and then leaked, and they were newsworthy, and people reported on them. We're in a much different situation now because we now know that Russian disinformation or foreign disinformation or even dis, you know campaign disinformation period is as dangerous to our democracy as anything exposed in these emails. There you go. So it may indicate 
that the vice president was available for sale and that he has strategically placed his sons in very wealthy positions of power and that they also were likely complicit with the tossing of the Ukraine government. All of that could be exposed, um, but doesn't matter because you might also get raw access to information and have to make up your own mind. That is just as dangerous as a direct line to the VP or perhaps even, let's say, a family of swindlers who have set up avenues to get access to their dad and now a man who is mentally incapacitated, who could be the most powerful man in the world, has built-in avenues and a history of people getting access to him. him. But that's, that's not dangerous to democracy, no. And finally, 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 after several times avoiding the question, yelling at reporters, you can find a video of Joe on a tarmac yelling at a CBS reporter for daring to ask him about this question. Nobody gives it any any play, though. Of course, Trump says something, though. They'll run it like crazy. You see what you see how they you see how they frame all of this. So when he finally does get asked by a local news reporter, he actually takes a play right from Hillary's 2016 book and says that, well, listen, the majority of the intelligence people say that, uh, None of this has any basis. I guess he's referring to Clapper and Adam Schiff as intelligence people. But take a listen. A Wisconsin's Republican Senator Ron Johnson put out a statement on Homeland Security letterhead saying Hunter Biden, together with other Biden family members, profited off the Biden name. Is there any legitimacy to Senator Johnson's claims? None whatsoever. This is the same garbage Rudy Giuliani, Trump's henchman, it's the last ditch effort in this desperate campaign to smear me and my family. This is clearly what he's going to use at the debate, too. Even the man who served with him on that committee, a former nominee for the Republican Party, said there's no basis to this. And, you know, and all and the vast majority of the intelligence people have come out and said there's no basis at all. The vast majority of intel. Remember when Hillary said that? Remember when Hillary said that about her damn emails? Many for the Republican Party said there's no basis to this. And, you know, and all and the vast majority of the intelligence people have come out and said there's no basis at all. Ron should be ashamed of himself. Oh, ashamed of himself. Ooh, tough, tough words from the uh, vice president there, former vice president. There's just one problem with that particular answer. The current director of national intelligence, the man who would know what all of the intelligence agencies are currently saying because they all report up to him. Well, that's John Ratcliffe. (laughs) And he says the Russian angle is bogus. Uh, It is Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence uh, Committee, who, uh, as you pointed out on Friday, said that the intelligence community believes that Hunter Biden's laptop and the emails on it are are part of some Russian disinformation campaign. Let me be clear. The intelligence community doesn't believe that. This is the director of national intelligence, the top intelligence official. Information campaign. Let me be clear. The intelligence community doesn't believe that uh, because there's no intelligence that supports that. And we have shared no intelligence with Chairman Schiff or any other member of Congress that Hunter Biden's laptop is part of some Russian disinformation campaign. It's simply not true. And this is exactly what I said I would stop when I became the director of national intelligence. And that's people using the intelligence community to leverage some political narrative. And in this case, Apparently, Chairman Schiff wants anything against his preferred political candidate to be deemed as not real and is using the intelligence community or attempting to use the intelligence community to say there's nothing to see here. Um, Don't drag the intelligence community into this. Hunter Biden's laptop is not part of some Russian disinformation campaign, and I think it's clear that the American people know that. (laughs) I love that clip. I love that clip. And, you know, they don't want to get drug into this because in 2016, the FBI was front and center. There was a lot about the intelligence agencies that got drug into that election, and it was a bad, bad look for them. But, you know, it's not just the DNI. The FBI and the Department of Justice also say that Hunter's emails are not part of some Putin plot. One senior federal official tells Fox News the FBI and DOJ concur with DNI John Ratcliffe's assessment that Hunter Biden's laptop and emails were not part of a Russian disinformation campaign. 
not. Huh. Geez, that's that doesn't sound like the majority of the intelligence agencies. And in a way, weird way, I think this story has gotten more life because of their strange reaction. The, the Biden campaign's just total failure to properly address this and then using a playbook from Hillary that didn't work for Hillary and is already provably false moments after the man says it. That's strange. But the other aspect of the story, which has made it very popular, is the story around censorship and suppression that seems to be nearly just as big as the story about Hunter's emails. We are a little more than two weeks away from the U.S. election. This week, Twitter and Facebook under fire over decisions concerning the publication of a story by the New York Post. The newspaper published an exclusive based on emails and photos allegedly obtained from a laptop belonging to the son of Democratic candidate Joe Biden. The story focused on Hunter Biden's ties to a Ukrainian energy company. The Post claims that Joe Biden met with an advisor of the company. Within hours, Facebook announced it was slowing the spread of the article. And Twitter blocked its users from posting links to the story, deeming it potentially unsafe, saying the material violated its rules on sharing information obtained through hacking. Now, Twitter has since backtracked. Instead of blocking links from being shared, the tweets are now being labeled to provide context. It's creepy. It's so creepy to watch this happen. I think I've always I've always hoped that the internet would bring us the most information possible and then you would have resources like this show and others that could well, forgive me, but for lack of a better term, meta filter it for you. Ironically, I you know, the pitch of this show is we unfilter the news, but in reality, you know, you look at everything that comes in and I think the best case scenario is all the information with multiple outlets processing it and condensing it and delivering it to you in a in a in a in a medium or a or a form that works best for you. And you get you know multiple of these outlets, and that's really we're 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 kind of there. We're kind of there. It's sloppy, but with YouTube and podcasts and the various left and right media and international media. There's there is sort of this this overwhelming amount of information. And then there are curators that prop up and help you process it. And you as a consumer can you can take in feeds from multiple curators and get multiple angles and takes. And I think that's how you can come to your own conclusions about these things. And I have complete faith in your ability to do that. And I, I hope that the Unfilter show can be a useful resource in that process for you. But I, I could never, ever imagine getting some critical piece of information, having like this, you know, oh, I got this leaked email right here and not sharing it with you. Unless my life or my family was at risk, uh, why I would never hold something because I was afraid what you would do with the information. It just seems ridiculous. This I'm all about getting the information out. This is the people's history here. And you would think the media would be all about getting the information out there, but they're not. They're not. And I think... This isn't going to go away, even if it doesn't impact the election. It's, you know, who knows, right? At this point, it just seems like it's, it's such a wild dumpster fire. I, I actually couldn't tell you which way it's going to go at this point. I don't have a strong sense about it. Maybe I will after tomorrow's debate, but I don't, I don't have a strong sense at the moment. It seems like it could go any way. And I'm not actually sure if this, when we look back at it, if we'll be able to recognize this made a dent or not. But I'll tell you what it does remind me an awful lot of is the beginning of Russiagate. A dossier in the case of Russiagate, but now a laptop in the case of Bidengate, that's out there floating in the ether. The intelligence agencies kind of already know about it before the election's even taken place. And now we have people investigating it. We have the FBI has their hands on the laptop and the balls are to begun to roll just like it did with Russian meddling investigations. And if Biden wins, well, there's no way the Republicans are going to let this go. They're going to take the Russiagate playbook. They're going to take that script and they're going to flip it and they're going to play it on the Dems this time. And it's going to be just as obnoxious to watch all over again. Only this time it's going to get dirtier because I have I have a feeling, honestly, that the Republicans are going to be more crass about it. I think they're going to enjoy embarrassing Joe by outing secrets of his family. Um, today, as I record, there's there's rumors that Giuliani has come across images and video potentially of Hunter Biden 
having sex with underage girls. And who knows if that's true? Who knows, right? Um, It seems unsubstantiated at this point. But let's say those kinds of things are possible. You you could clearly see the Republicans delighting in embarrassing the president and going after them. I remember something similar happened after Clinton's impeachment. There was a repercussion for it. It altered politics. And I think when you hear the details of this next report, one thing is very clear to me. It's not going away. This is going to get more embarrassing for him as the years go on if he wins. And it's going to be dirty for the public. And we're going to watch this entire divide between the establishment media and these different outlets who were reporting on it grow wider and wider. You look at all the corruption in his family. It's tremendous corruption. Nobody's ever seen. I mean, that laptop, nobody has ever seen anything like that. He's gone into hiding. President Trump accusing Joe Biden of staying away from reporters ahead of Thursday night's debate to avoid answering questions about his son Hunter's purported laptop and emails. The president also jumped on this May 2017 email with Chinese energy executives verified by a source on the email chain, which discusses payment for six people. It includes a reference to 10 percent of the equity in the deal being held by H, assumed to be Hunter, for the big guy, which sources say is Joe Biden. The vice president got a kickback, and everybody knows it, and they've known it for a long time. Fox News has obtained images, including what appears to be a receipt from the Wilmington, Delaware computer repair shop signed by Hunter Biden. They have, they have a scan of the receipt with, Bi- with Hunter Biden's signature on it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, totally could be false, but uh, <laughs> if they had anything this close to dirt on Trump, if these were Don Jr.'s emails and they had a receipt— with Don Jr.'s signature on it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how they'd be going after him? This is more evidence than they had for Russiagate or impeachment. It's right here. Just picture this in this entire scenario. Imagine this being Don Jr. And how they would be having a field day with every little detail. I, I would imagine all of the videos and pictures would be out there too by now. Because there's just such a passion to destroy Trump. But... The scenario is a little different this time when it's Joe's kid. What appears to be a receipt from the Wilmington, Delaware computer repair shop signed by Hunter Biden. It also listed an email and cell phone number for him and documentation from the FBI's interaction with shop owner John Paul MacIsaac. It shows the bureau took possession of an alleged Hunter Biden laptop and external hard drive last December. Senate Homeland Security Chairman Ron Johnson wants answers about the FBI's actions since then. The FBI owes us a defensive briefing. If, if this uh, shop owner is, is fraudulently peddling information to the, to the Congress, that's a crime. The FBI ought to brief us on that as well. Investigative journalist Glenn Greenwald notes the Biden campaign's silence on the authenticity of what's been reported. No one in the Biden camp, not Hunter Biden, not Joe Biden, not anyone with the Biden campaign has even insinuated, let alone stated, that the emails are anything other than authentic. The FBI has made every effort to stay out of the 2020 election after it was front and center in 2016 with Hillary Clinton's emails and her private server. But tonight, some breaking news. We are told by a senior federal official that the FBI is in possession of the laptop and that the FBI and DOJ concur with the director of national intelligence that this is not part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Yeah, because they're looking at the damn laptop. How can they say that? And there's been an interesting move by Biden. Uh, Jill is out campaigning. Barack Obama is going to be out campaigning, but Joe himself, for this week, is staying at home. He's not going out. It's They call it a lid. He's put a lid on his campaigning, um, saying that he's prepping for the debate, but I wonder how much of it is actually just to avoid asking, or I'm sorry, answering questions about this. There's been a strategy by the Biden campaign all along, and that is let Trump run his dumb mouth. And just keep a low profile. Don't upset anybody. (laughs) And try to win by default. And so when they've got something, you know, when there's a real question here, they they thought, you know, they were hoping the Biden campaign maybe was hoping the worst it would be was nonstop questions about packing the court. But now packing the court looks like an easy (laughs) thing to answer compared to this. So he's got a lid on campaign events and he's staying home until the debate. But you can be absolutely sure this is going to come up. At the debate. And while Biden is at home in in such a an interesting 
and continuing theme of this run, and we're almost to the end of it. Thank you, Spaghetti Monster. The the thing that keeps coming up is the difference in uh, campaigning effort. While Biden is at home, Trump is rallying daily. His schedule is unbelievable. It starts early in the morning. He flies out. He sometimes does two rallies a day and then doesn't make it back to the White House until 10 p.m. He, When looking at last week, he still did an event on Saturday, and then he did some crazy church session that was live streamed and was really a hell of a thing to watch on Sunday. He's he's going and attending things seven days a week, and while he's at these events, he's making hay with this Biden email stuff. He's calling the Bidens a crime family. He's got a whole bit on it now, and he's... I think it's given him a bit of a second wind. You'll also be getting the rebates, okay? Rebates, you know who they go to? The middlemen. You know how rich the middlemen are? I'm rich. These guys blow everyone away. I don't know. Nobody even knows who the hell they are. Did you ever hear? Does anybody know a middleman? Would like to meet. It's Biden's son. It's Hunter. Oh! It's Hunter. I'll bet you Hunter is a middleman. He's, He's collecting. He's like a vacuum cleaner. He follows his father around collecting. What a disgrace. It's a crime family. You want to know something? It's a crime family. He's following his father. Hunter Biden is a middleman. Oh, that's wild. No, these people are amazing. These middlemen. You're right. <laughs> that, that was one of the lighter moments I found. But he, it's, it's been one of the primary points he's been hitting over and over again on the campaign trail. I don't know how much, um, I don't, like I said, I don't know how much this is actually going to impact the election because I think anybody who is a Biden fan would would consider Trump far beyond any kind of corruption that these emails would seem to reveal. Uh, I mean, and they could just point to his kids getting jobs in the White House. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things that I think you could argue the Trump family has done or could be doing or or whatever they might even think. And so it just makes this look like a small, small issue. And then you add in the convenience of the Russia excuse, which is out there now if you need something to cling to, which is which is excellent for people that need that confirmation bias and, and, and want something they can grasp onto and, and not have to think too critically about the issue. And that's really what Adam Schiff and Wolf Blitzer are, are providing for everyone is an easy way to just ignore this entire thing and still vote for the guy you want to vote for. Uh, I and I, if you if you buy any of the Russia stuff at this point, I, I think it's pretty clear you you want to you know it's comforting to you. It's a, it's an easier narrative to understand than what might actually be true. And I, I don't want to begrudge anybody that comfort. There's so much going on in 2020 that if if that gives you comfort, then um, have it because neither one of these guys, but Joe or or Donald, are are a hero. They're both creepy old men who have incredible egos, who have corrupt children, who milk off of their fame and really have no humility. So, you know, I don't begrudge you either way. If this doesn't change your opinion on who to vote for, I I can't blame you. I, I can totally understand why. It's like, again, there's just really no good choices in this one. There is one good choice, though, about supporting this show, patreon.com slash unfilter. Thank you to everybody who does support the uh, the show over there. You know, this is, I say, it's, I call it the people's history. It's a podcast for you. I hope this show can help make a little sense about what's going on. And, you know, if I would, lo- I would love to see this story take a turn. And, uh, you know, Vlad comes out and says... Now, I actually did release these emails. Man, wouldn't that be an episode? I'd be right there. I'd be right there. The uh, live stream will also go for the election night, too. I don't think we'll have an answer election night, but same bat channel for the election night that we're using for the debates, unfilter.show slash live. And it's even better if you're in the Discord. Not only do I have a live feed in the voice channel with a video feed in there. I didn't know even know Discord did that until recently. But there is a just a text chat in there, too. So it's the full experience. So get in the Discord, unfilter.show slash Discord, and uh, unfilter.show slash live. Thank you to everyone who does support the show at patreon.com slash unfilter. This show is a monster of work, and your support, it makes it worth it. Thank you very much.
Now, on with the show. This next story, I think, is going to have a lot depending on the election. It's either going to go real big or it's going to fizzle out. But this week, the DOJ made it clear that they're going after Googs. Also breaking tonight, the Justice Department is picking on someone its own size. The Trump administration's legal arm is suing Google for antitrust violations. The government says Google abuses its dominance in online search and advertising to stifle competition and harm consumers. Google calls the lawsuit deeply flawed. Correspondent Jillian Turner has our story tonight from Washington. The suit has been over a year in the making, with Attorney General Bill Barr directly involved in planning, according to Justice Department sources. Now DOJ and 11 states are accusing Google of violating antitrust laws. Writing, Google no longer competes only on the merits, but instead uses its monopoly power and billions in monopoly profits to lock up key pathways to search on mobile phones, browsers, and next-generation devices. The end result is no one can feasibly challenge Google's dominance in search and search advertising. Barr adds this is a monumental case for the Department of Justice and, more importantly, for the American consumer. Well, we will see about that. I... I could I could see legitimately going after Google for their dominance of the online ad space and their merger with DoubleClick where they went back on a promise they made about merging the data of DoubleClick and Google AdWords. They promised they wouldn't do that. They did that. And they really just sewed up the online advertising market since then. But going after them for a dominance in search, I don't know if I buy it. I don't know. They, depending on who you look at right now, some say they have 90% market share. Some say they have 80. All right. Let's say it's 85. That's, that's actually, I mean, it's not, eh, well, I mean, yeah, it's, that's a monopoly, but, but it's not as much as I expected. It, it does seem to indicate that over the long years, some other providers, I don't know if it's Bing. <laughs> I don't know if it's DuckDuckGo. I don't know. But over the long years, some other search providers have made a dent in that. But I don't think anybody can come near, even close to touching the dominance in advertising. I guess you could argue that they are locking up pathways to new devices with Android. But that seems like a philosophical debate. I don't think you're going to get an antitrust case on that. We'll see where this goes. If Biden wins, I'm not so clear on where it will go. But we had an interesting, we had an interesting interview with Dr. Fauci on 60 Minutes. And there's so much to cover in this interview. I didn't really know what I actually I, mean, I thought about maybe doing a patron special, but I don't I don't think it quite meets the threshold. You know, those are kind of special. Um, so I, I grabbed a clip off of actually the 60 minutes extra feed. So not from the main show. So if you did catch the 60 minutes special with Fauci, where he talks about the White House kind of muzzling him a little bit. And he talks about how he's not surprised that Trump got covid. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, none of us really were, I suppose. Um, surprised that it happened, but not actually surprised that he got it, I guess. Surprised they went public with it. Anyways, he talks about when we might stop wearing masks and what the next year of the pandemic might look in this 60 Minutes extra clip. So I thought I'd play a little of this for you and, and we'll talk about it. 60 Minutes Overtime. John, I mentioned about the White House calling... This week, I interviewed Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's the head of infectious diseases for the National Institutes of Health. He got three urgent calls during our interview. And... I'm sorry. Including one from the White House. No, no, this I have to... Who are you talking to? People in the administration, in the White House, who have, have bona fide scientific questions. Did it have to do something with... When will it be safe for the president to go out there? I, 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 don't, I don't reveal conversations I have with high-ranking officials. Thank you. All right. Back in March, I interviewed him for 60 Minutes' very first piece about COVID-19. Dr. Fauci and others took a lot of flack for initially saying at the beginning of the pandemic, it's not necessary for the public to routinely wear face masks. I was surprised that they actually addressed this. Um, you know, Fauci is the untouchable on the media. Uh, so I, I actually kind of thought this clip did a decent job of capturing where we are at now, 
going into the cold fall, it's going to get below freezing, well below freezing where I'm going to be camping this weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. But after the debate, I'm packing up the RV and I'm heading out. <laughs> I'm heading out for a few days. <laughs> Actually, heading out for the weekend and then I'll be back next week. So, show will go on as normal. But anyway, so this this CBS overtime guy, he goes on, or 60 Minutes uh, goes on to say that uh, – Fauci had it wrong on mass. And you don't really normally see them giving him that. And they give him a chance to address it. And I buy I buy Fauci's answer here. I'll let you hear it. Right now in the United States. This is him, by the way. They're playing the clip of him downplaying masks. This is March 8th, 2020. People should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. But then there was new information that came along and they changed their mind. And based on that new information, by April, they were saying, yes, wear face masks. I would recommend doing what the CDC, as I think appropriately and correctly said, it's, it's, it's an adjunct, it's an additional mm-hmm. way to help protect you and to have you help protect others. So let's see if we could put this to rest once and for all. It became clear that cloth coverings, things like this, here, and not necessarily a surgical mask or an N95. Cloth coverings work. Now there's no longer a shortage of masks. Number two, meta-analysis studies show that, contrary to what we thought, masks really do work in preventing infection. So he kind of, you know, he evolved his opinion. And I, I, we can't... We can't do this to people where they say something once and then it's always that way. If they correct it later, we don't we don't give them credit for it. I'll buy it. I'll buy it that maybe when he was talking about it, he was talking about the in the context of mass, he was talking about N95 mass. I, mean, I could I could see that. And then, you know, he saw some studies and then he saw some studies that were studies of studies and decided that, you know what, even cloth masks are worth it. I could buy that as a as a narrative, as an as an evolving situation. I am surprised given his depth and experience and time in the field, but I could see it. The studies show that, contrary to what we thought, masks really do work in preventing infection. In science, it's, it's what we do. In medicine, it's what we do. We talk about what's the information that we know now. We try to explain that to people. If that changes, then we may have a new idea, a new way of interpreting the data, and a new way of putting it in perspective for people, and we communicate that. We're at a really tough point in this pandemic. I mean, we know it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, but where is that end? And people have COVID fatigue. I know I do. And we want to know, when can we take off the masks? How long do you think we will all be wearing masks? That's a good question. Uh, And in due humility and modesty, I don't know the answer to that. I could answer it partially, Another way, if we get a vaccine, which I think we will, by the end of this year, the beginning of 2021, and it's 70% effective, and a substantial proportion of the people take the vaccine, and that's a big problem, how many people take the vaccine, and we get into the third or fourth quarter of 2021, I think the level of infection will be down enough that we still would have to do some public health measures and that might include wearing a mask. Well. But they will not be as stringent as they are right now. Hmm. So Fauci saying late 2021, you'll still be wearing a mask. Well, you know what that means. Some uh, entrepreneurial individual out there needs to collab with me on an unfiltered face mask. Let's double down on this sucker. Let's make some comfortable masks because they're not going away. <laughs> include wearing a mask. But they will not be as stringent as they are right now. Then, as the months and year or more go by, it'll be less stringent and less stringent until you get to the point where the level of infection is so low, it's not an epidemic threat. And then I think we'll be fine. But it's not going to be, I think, well into and towards the end of next year. At the end of the day, it's going to be layers of protection. So washing your hands, wearing a mask, doing social distancing, avoiding crowds. Outdoors is safer than indoors. And now we know also pay attention to ventilation. If you are indoors, open a window, crack a door. Plus- why, why, do we, why do we tell people all of these basics? You know, wash your hands. 
wash your hands, crack a window. But we don't say lose 30 pounds. Make sure you have enough vitamin D. Get some fresh air, exercise, have a balanced diet. Make sure your immune system isn't compromised. It does not seem like that would be just as good of advice, but we don't ever say those things. It's, it's, um, it's, it's an incomplete, we make it sound like if you wear a mask and you wash your hands, well, you're going to be healthy then. You're fine. I don't know about that. Hey, before we go, uh, two of my favorite stories of the week. Number one, Axios has a exclusive about America's true unemployment rate. Now, the reason why I, I think this story is great is because your unfiltered show said this, I think, back in 2014. And now Axios has this big expose on how the um, unemployment number they put out isn't real. It's not a real number. <laughs> Shadow Stats. Go check out Shadow Stats. And I'll, I'll uh, have that linked in the show notes for you to read. And they tell you what the actual number probably is. But then my absolute favorite story of the week <laughs> has to be... Jeffrey Tubin, the snob policy analyst on CNN, whenever there is a legal case or a Supreme Court matter or anything of the such, Jeffrey Tubin has been suspended from multiple news outlets for masturbating on a Zoom call. These uh, elite morons that he was on with all these different people from different uh, media outlets who all consider themselves to be very intelligent and and uh, very Aphrodite and very tuned in to what's going on with the election process. They were simulating election night and Joe's winning and people are breaking off into their analysis groups. You know, they're like LARPing for journalists, I guess. And um, they uh, they had this moment. Two different sources have confirmed it. I'll have information in the show notes if you'd like where uh, Tubin um, starts playing with himself on camera in front of everyone by mistake <laughs> starts masturbating in front of all of them and it turns out this guy's a bit of a creep he's knocked up a co-worker at cnn and then pressured her to abort the baby he's just a creep all around and it's interesting how we end up pulling back the veil on these news actors and they just turn out to be horrible horrible people and while some of them don't harm others and they just do things like say asinine things out in public and start fights with guys on the street, others others do things like expose themselves in front of an entire group. And then the thing is, is when he realized what he did, he says, he says to everybody, oh, I'm sorry, I thought I had muted. Because <laughs> it's like, he's, I guess he doesn't know the difference between turning off the camera and muting. <laughs> This is so embarrassing. And now the whole world knows about it. Uh, okay, so those are my two favorite stories. I'll have links to those plus a lot more in the show notes. But now here are uh, a couple of just rando Trump clips that uh, I thought I'd play for you because they kind of made me chuckle this week. Nobody gets hacked. <laughs> to get hacked, you need somebody with 197 IQ. And he needs about 15% of your password, right? <laughs> Nobody gets hacked. Unless you have an IQ of 197 and they have 15% of your password, nobody gets hacked. Nobody gets hacked. <laughs> I, should, uh, I should clip that. That may come in handy in the future. And, of course, he's got a lot of flack for it. But he's referring to the Biden email story. And then my absolute favorite moment, and clearly a crowd pleaser, big crowds at these rallies. And this one, I think it speaks volume. I wouldn't be surprised that some of the people that come out to vote for Trump simply do it for a hate of the media. Listen to this. Getting tired of the pandemic. You turn on CNN, that's all they cover. COVID, COVID, pandemic, COVID, COVID, COVID. You know why they're trying to talk everybody out of voting? People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. They're not buying it. <laughs> they love it. That's all they talk about. I bet those dumb bastards over at CNN, too, were just like, that son of a bitch. <laughs> they hate him. <laughs> and I think the feeling's mutual. He's getting a little punchy. We'll see how he does at the debate tomorrow. I'd love to have you join me live if you happen to hear this as I release this or around when I release it. Do come join. But uh, 
If you missed some of our debate streams, don't forget, we will have one for the big election night. Not sure how we'll know when to stop. Maybe when democracy itself dies. I kid. I'd love to get your feedback. Unfilter.show slash contact and links to everything I talked about and stuff that didn't even make into the show. A lot more. That's over at unfilter.show slash 332. Thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode of the Unfilter program. And I'll see you right back here after the debates next week. I do whine because I want to win. We may need some faith healers.